1 Timothy chapter number 2. Let's look at verse 7. Bible says, Whereunto I, that be Paul, am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ. I lie and I lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. We got as far as whereunto I am ordained a preacher on Thursday night. And, you know, yes, Paul is, we, we see that three, Paul here has three titles. We talked about him being a preacher, and now we're going to talk tonight about him being an apostle. He was more than just an apostle. I understand he's an apostle. But he had the gift of God of pastoring and teaching as well. He, he, he's a preacher. And yes, he planted churches. Okay, so a work was established here, and then he left. And You, you know all the missionary journeys of, of Paul. He, he went all over the place. But when he's there and he's at that place, who's pastoring them? Who's caring for them? Who's teaching them? Paul, Paul was. And we can learn a lot of things from this. Number one, he raised men up. And so now he can all, he can give a work over to Timothy. Okay, so Paul starts a work. He's pastoring and teaching those people, and he's and he's caring for them, and he's discipling them, and that's what a pastor does. And then he hands that work over to Timothy, and Paul goes somewhere else, and Timothy now is that pastor, and that's perfectly biblical. If, God forbid, I don't even like to think about it, but God forbid if I get stricken with some illness and I'm only going to have five years to live or three years to live or two years to live, it'd be fine for me to train someone else up and say, here, it, now you, you pastor, because I'm, I'm going home to be with the Lord. And pastor, I don't want that to happen. I'm committed here. I've burned every bridge I can burn because I'm, I'm here. I'm committed here. But Paul starts works, and he's a church planter for sure. He has a lot of different roles that he plays. But now we get to, he, it, the Bible says he's ordained an apostle. And God does that. God, God did that ordination for those apostles. And if you look at 2 Timothy chapter number 1, 2 Timothy that is, chapter number 1, it says the same thing in verse number 11, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And what I'd like to talk to you tonight about is Paul as an apostle and what the biblical requirement is for an apostle. Because you don't have to go too far down the road or you don't have to turn the internet on for too long to hear people say, well, I'm an apostle. This is a apostolic ministry. And you're going to get a whole bunch of circus play. So let's understand from the Bible what it means biblically for Paul to be ordained an apostle and what the requirements are. And we're going to start in Acts chapter number one as we look at this. So Acts chapter one. 
and in verse number 21 will be it. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse number 21. Bible says in verse 21 of Acts 1, Wherefore of these men, which have companied with us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John under the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his, what? Resurrection. Now, they're going to, they, they, they have to appoint, uh, we know the whole Judas story, right? So now Matthias and, and, and all that. But the requirement for the apostleship was they had to be an eyewitness of the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And look at Acts chapter number four, because we'll see the same thing. Acts chapter number four, verse number 33. They're all assembled. They're all filled with the Holy Ghost. They had all things in common. In verse 33, and with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Apostolic power was given based on men that met requirements, and they had to have been the witness of the, of the resurrection of the Lord. And since nobody here can say that they walked the earth with Jesus and no one can say that they uh, witnessed the resurrected Christ, that means none of them would meet the requirement to say, hey, I'm an apostle like Paul. No, you're not an apostle like Paul. You're an apostle like the devil. <laughs> you don't... There is not an apostolic gifts that are given. They were given to the apostles for a purpose to confirm that what was being spoken was from the word of God. Was the word of God is a better way to say it. Why don't we need that now? Because we have the word of God. We don't need apostle so-and-so uh, to come down and do a sign and a miracle and a wonder to show us that this is from God. Number one, we're not Jews who require a sign. Number two, we've got a more sure word of promise. Okay, so it has to be an eyewitness. If you're not an eyewitness, you're not an apostle. Some people look at what the apostles did and they say, well, we're going to go to such and such a jungle where the gospel hasn't been preached and we're going to be able to do these signs. No, I don't fit. That doesn't fit. None of that happened since the days of the apostles who met the requirements for that office. It's not an office of the New Testament church. You won't go to any Baptist church and say, well, I'd like you to meet, I'd like you to meet, uh, you know, Apostle Joe. 
and it's not that you're not going to have that because Baptists understand where this fits in the context. You can go now in any town and you can see one of these fakers. Any type of deliverance ministry is all tied into grabbing apostolic sign gifts that they aren't that they have no claim to and they're going to now deliver you they're delivering people into the hands of the devil god's word god's truth the power of the gospel will deliver someone from their chains of bondage no man can do that and so we got to get that uh, right but what about Paul? What about Paul? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Because Paul is a unique man. It's a unique situation. And I'd like to unpack a little bit of this. In 1 Corinthians 15, watch what it says in verse number 3. Verse number three. Yeah, we'll start there. Paul says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Praise the Lord. That's the gospel. And that he was seen eyewitnesses of Cephas. That's an individual. Then of the 12, that's a group. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once. That's a whole lot of groups together at once, making up a whole lot of eyewitnesses. People say, I want evidence. You got it right here. But it doesn't matter how much evidence you show somebody that just doesn't want to believe the word of God. Of whom the greater part remained of this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Now watch this verse. And last of all, he was seen of me also, that'd be Paul, as of one born out of due time. Paul was the apostle that was born out of due time. And you know what he saw on the road to Damascus? He saw a light from heaven. We all know that that light from heaven was God. That was Jesus Christ. He spoke to him. And we talked about this a little bit before, but that light from heaven, when Paul saw that on the road to Damascus, that is a future picturing. Paul is used to point the prophecy, to picture that nation of Israel when they get saved in a day, they're going to see that same light. Paul saw that on that Damascus road. He sees that light from heaven. And after the church is caught up, God's going to start the clock back again. Daniel's 70th week is going to start ticking. And there's going to be some things God's going to deal with that nation of Israel we are going to be caught up, meet the Lord in the air, so ever be with the Lord, 
And then, and then God's going to start dealing with that nation. And you know what he's going to tell them to do? He brings them back to a place where the temple is and the sacrifices are. And they come there and God says, when you see them set up an idol in the temple, I want you to flee to the mountains. And then they are going to give up the temple, which they love. And all of that stuff that they love more than they love God in the Old Testament. And then they are finally, that remnant is finally going to believe God because they love God more than they love all the things that God gave them and did for them. And they're going to flee to the mountains. They're going to go into the wilderness willingly because they love God. And they are going to finally trust that God's going to provide for their safety. And God's going to give them food. And God's going to give them water. And they're going to willingly go into the wilderness. And then you know what's going to happen? There's going to be like a lightning come from heaven. And that remnant is going to look up upon whom they have pierced. And that remnant is going to be saved in a day. Paul, an apostle born out of due time, pictures that Hebrew nation being saved. It's a glorious, glorious truth. He's an apostle born out of due time. He saw the same resurrected Savior as the other apostles on that road to Damascus. It was just under unexpected circumstances. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Here we go. X5. Look at verse 12. X5, 12. X5, 12. The Bible says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch it doesn't say by the hands of new testament christians the reference is the apostles and if you don't meet the requirements of being an apostle you can't claim to this sign this gift of signs and wonder this acts 5 is not written it's written to New Testament Christians so we can get some understanding. But it's not written for us to claim apostleship when we have no claim to it. It was for the apostles. They had the power to work miracles. Acts 14. Acts 14, look at verse... Number two, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Bad news. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord 
which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hand. Not by our hands. It was done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with uh, who was the their hand? The apostles. You see that? And part with the apostles. Those signs and wonders were granted to be done by their hands, the apostles' hands. It can't be any clearer. This is not currently happening on the mission field today. So when you have a church that sets up camp a few blocks down from where we're at, and then they build a big following and they get all these donors to give them millions of dollars and they have so much money now because of a false deliverance ministry that they can buy all this land and build this big building. Say, wow, God's in there. He's not in there. It's a false deliverance ministry and people aren't getting delivered because there is only deliverance in the blood. You must preach the blood of Jesus Christ and him crucified, him buried, him risen again, that is where the power of deliverance lies. We got to get this. Because small in number doesn't mean weakness. Because there's power in the blood. Power in the blood. And we're not apostles. Acts chapter 19. Let's look at that one, Acts 19, verse number 11. Acts 19, verse number 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Why was Paul able to do that? Because he had the apostolic sign gifts that he biblically could lay claim to and that God appointed him and the apostles to. That's why he could do that. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, there's some stories I'd like to put myself into, and that's one of them. That'd be pretty cool. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Look at verse number 12. Uh, verse number 11. 2 Corinthians 12. Verse number 11. I am become a fool in glory. You've compelled me for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs, and wonders, and mighty deeds. These were special signs, wonders, and deeds showed the people. It was a sign to the people that this is from God. And when the apostles went out, what went out with them? the signs, the wonders, 
I still believe in miracles. And when someone trusts Christ as their Savior, and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells inside them, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. But these instantaneous sign miracles and wonders passed with the apostles. Because some of the YouTube fakers, where were they during COVID-19? Where were they healing everybody that was in the hospitals? Where were they, uh, where were all of the charts showing uh, all of these people risen from the dead, all of these sick people now coming back to life because the deliverance ministry was nowhere to be found. And sadly, people fall for this all too often. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I want to show you something else here. Um, because even in Paul's day, in toward the end of Paul's life, we start to see the sign gifts fade. Because watch what happens in verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities. He's sick. He's not able to always heal himself. Other apostles aren't able to heal. In reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. But when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, in 1 Timothy 5, it says, drink no longer water. But use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmity. Why didn't he just heal him? Because the sign gifts are starting to now fade away. Or he would have never had to said that. Come on. Take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Why? They're fading away. And now we don't have an apostle to come and touch you to heal your physical infirmities. Some of the sisters struggling with eye issues. It'd be great if I or one of the brothers can just come over and touch their eye and heal their eye and make it see again. But we don't have that gift. All right, Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter number two. Bible says in verse 20, Ephesians 2.20. Everything that we have is in connection to our foundation, who is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The prophets, the apostles, they laid out all of the teachings and prophecy and promises and type and all of that. But Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation. Everything points to him. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be listed up. Moses the prophet points to Jesus Christ. 
all drink the same spiritual drink, for they all drank of that same spiritual rock. The rock was Christ. It all points to Christ. Simon Peter, thou art, he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. All the apostles, all the prophets point to Jesus Christ. That's what apostles do. 1 Corinthians 3 will go to. Flip back a few pages. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse number 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. Go back first Timothy. Christ is our foundation. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 7, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. Now we understand the apostolic gift that was given. Paul had that title and that office and that gift. And then the next thing he says, I speak the truth in Christ and I line up. Go to Proverbs 6 and let's talk about truthfulness. Notice it says I speak. He's using his mouth, his lips, his tongue. He's speaking the truth in Christ. And I lie not. Remember when we started Romans chapter 9 and we looked at the first verse and Paul tells him, look, three different. Paul tells him three different ways on that line. Why would you have to do that? The people don't listen. And he's really trying to bring home a point. If you say, why can't you just say I speak the truth in Christ? He tells him two different ways he's not lying. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. The teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. He actually does it three times. He uses the word verity. We'll close that in a minute. But it's so important because Proverbs 6 tells you in verse number 17. Watch this. A proud look, a lying tongue, and the hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet to be swift and running to mischief. False witness that speaketh lies. He that soweth discord among the brethren. Things that God hates. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And if you preach the truth and you stand for the truth, you will be opposed by every liar out there. It's a given. 
The other thing is, people are watching Christians. And they're okay with them lying and this lost and dying world lying, but they're not okay with Christians lying. <laughs> so we better speak the truth and not lie because we will ruin relationships if we lie. And we'll ruin an opportunity to witness to a lost person if they find out, man, that guy lied on the job and he lied to his boss. And he, you know, lied on the. It's important. Because of that reason and because you will be the target of those that are liars. And then we'll finish here. Bible says um, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 7 that Paul's a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. And let me say this. Paul was a teacher of the Gentiles, but it is not saying it was at the exclusion of the Jews. And that's important because Acts 9.15, you don't have to turn there for the sake of... Well, let's turn there. I want you to see all this. Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. Uh, verse 15. Acts 9.15. Let's get all these verses so we can close out. With them all in our hand here. Get Galatians 2. And we'll finish with this thought. Acts. Galatians 2. Alright, so Acts 9, Galatians 2. And that should, that'll do it. That'll do it. We'll do Acts 9 first. Watch what it says in verse 15. But the Lord said, Him, go thy way. For he, that's Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me, that's Jesus Christ, to bear my name, that's the name of Christ. Watch this. Before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, Paul, yes, he, he had a ministry that was primarily to the Jews. But Acts chapter number 9, Paul has three commissions that are very clearly laid out. Before the Gentiles, that's one. And kings, that's two. And the children of Israel. Of Israel. It's not at the exclusion of the Jews. When the Bible says a teacher of the Gentiles. Why? Because Acts 9 very clearly tells us there's three, there, three commissions. Look at Galatians 2. Galatians chapter 2 verse number 7. Peter. Had a ministry primarily to the Jews. Paul had a ministry primarily to the Gentiles, but not at the exclusion. Look at uh, look at uh, when it says before the Gentiles. Look at here in Galatians two seven. But contrawise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision 
was committed unto me, uncircumcised people were Gentiles, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. So you had primary ministries of each. Peter primarily to the Jews. But in Acts 10, he goes to an Italian man's house. Praise the Lord. He got a good meal, some spaghetti and meatballs. And But look, it was primarily, but not at the exclusion of. Does that make sense? And it's the same thing for Paul. He was primarily to the Gentiles. He says, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles in Romans 11. Yes, that's true. That was his primary ministry. He says that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Yes, that was Paul's primary ministry. But he did give the gospel to Jews too. He does it all through Acts. Acts 9, 13, 14, 17, 18. He's given the gospel. Kings. Remember he said the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. Who's talking to King Agrippa? In Acts 26. That's Paul. That's Paul. So just because he had a, a primary ministry to Gentiles, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it was at the exclusion of the Gentiles. He just faithfully preached the truth and didn't stop. And then it finishes with in verity. That's moral truthfulness. He says, I tell the truth, I lie not. And he finishes with verity. I speak the truth and I lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in verity. It's the verity. It's complete agreement with the truth. It means verity. The words that he says. Agrees with the thoughts that he said. And that's important. You see that word one other time. The words of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. You have truth spoken using his lips. All. He says, I'm lying not. And then he's teaching with verity. It's even a deeper meaning of truth. In other words, I'm not just speaking it. My thoughts are in alignment with my words. Oh, to be a Paul. Oh, to be a Paul. All right, that's it for tonight. Got hopefully a good understanding of the apostleship and the importance of just realizing those gifts went out. We've got something now that we can trust and know got something.